will come across us. Please stand for the reading of the word. Great to see all of you here today. We're going to look at Numbers 35, verses 9 through 15, and then Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. Numbers 35, 9 through 15. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you. Everybody say, Cities of refuge. That the manslayer who kills any person accidentally may flee there. They shall be cities of refuge for you from the avenger. Verse 13, And of the cities which you give, you shall have six Cities of refuge. Everybody say cities of refuge. You shall appoint three cities on the side, this side of the Jordan. Three cities you shall appoint in the land of Canaan, which will be cities of refuge. Everybody say cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger, for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person accidentally may flee there. Hebrews 6 Verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability, unchangingness of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, his word and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I'd like to preach a message entitled today, Sanctuary Cities, or Sanctuary City, Sanctuary City. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. For this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Recently, the term sanctuary city has been in the news. A sanctuary city is defined as a city that has, quote, adopted a policy of protecting undocumented immigrants by not prosecuting them for violating federal immigration laws. Sanctuary cities refuse to cooperate with U.S. immigration authorities, such as the Department of Homeland Security's agency known as Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. Because of this, sanctuary cities provide a safe place for illegal immigrants, undocumented 
immigrants. The sanctuary city can do this by express law, from what I understand is also known as du jour, as Chicago has done, or just by practice, known as de facto, as New Orleans has done. At this time, there are over 200 sanctuary cities in the United States of America. In the Old Testament, the Levites were not given one parcel of land like other tribes were, but they were given 48 cities across the promised land. Six of these cities were to be cities of refuge or sanctuary cities. Three on the east side of the Jordan, three on the west side of the Jordan. These six cities provided a place of refuge and safety, sanctuary for those who were in trouble. Let me ask you something. Have you ever found yourself in trouble? Have you ever woke up one day and realized, holy cow, I'm in trouble. I've got some issues. I've got some stuff I've got to deal with. I'm talking about trouble. If you've never experienced that, you just keep living because you're going to. It's going to happen to you just like it's happened to us. As a human being, I've had those moments where the blood drained from my face and I got that sinking feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, I'm in trouble. I've got some issues. As a pastor, I've heard it over and over and over sitting in my office, pastor, stumbling around, trying to get it out, small talks over. We've got to get to the point. Pastor, I'm in trouble. I've got some stuff I'm having to deal with. I'm in trouble. In those times when, when, when things are desperate, we need a place of safety and refuge and sanctuary. It's interesting to note that in Israel, there were six of these cities. Biblically, six is the number of man. Man is always in trouble. Job said man is born of a woman. He lives a certain amount of days, and those days are filled with trouble. So there's six cities, the number of man, because man always finds himself in trouble. And when I say that, I mean mankind, because you girls get in trouble too, right? Plenty of trouble. Man, woman, humanity, humankind, mankind, we find ourselves in trouble. And it's, it's, it's interesting that there are six of these cities because we all need a place of safety and salvation, if you will. Now, I want to dive into this for a few minutes and just pull out a few nuggets and just see where this goes. So let's just start with the first point, cut to the chase, state the obvious. Jesus is our sanctuary city. I'm here to tell you, if you are in trouble, Jesus is your safe place. Jesus is a sanctuary city. I'm reminded of that little woman caught in the very act of adultery. And those Pharisees brought her to Jesus thinking that he would be all over stoning her and judging her. But what they didn't realize is that Jesus brought, they brought her to a safe 
place, to a sanctuary city. Jesus was her sanctuary city. She ran in. The Bible says, God is our refuge. And God is our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. They brought that little lady in. In a, in a time of tremendous trouble. And God became her refuge. And God became her strength. And God became her very present help in the time of trouble. Amen? Hallelujah. Woo! David went on in Psalm 46 and said, Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed. Listen to the words here. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. What's he saying? He's saying, even when my trouble looks like this, the earth is shaking and quaking. There's no stability in my life. The mountains are just sliding off into the sea. What I thought would never fall just fell. The waters are roaring wildly and shaking everything. There's no peace and no calm. What I thought was a mountain that was beautiful to look at turned into a volcano and erupted and started destroying everything. When my world is crumbling, the psalmist says, and totally falling apart, I will not fear because in the midst of my world that is exploding God has become my refuge and my strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. Can I remind you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And if he was a very present help in the time of David's trouble, he's a very present help in the time of my trouble today. And he will be tomorrow. Somebody needs to understand you've got a place you can go, and it's Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, God, as I was praying about this this morning, the Lord told me to tell you, when your world is falling apart, I will be your peace. When your world is crumbling, I will be your refuge. I will be your safe place. I will be your sanctuary city. God wants somebody to know you've got a place. Those cities were spread out in such a way as to not be far from anywhere in the promised land. They were situated to where they were accessible. I want you to understand, second point, Jesus is within your reach. No matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, Jesus is within your reach. He's not far away. Sometimes people and religion, circumstances, Make us think that Jesus is far away, like somewhere over the rainbow, way off on some distant horizon. But I'm telling you, he's not far. The, the, the poets that Paul quoted, though he be not far from each of us, it was speaking of our God. He's within reach. We have access. Romans 5, 2 says, by faith we have access into this grace. One definition of grace is God's willingness and ability to accomplish anything. Some of us need to start believing that we have access to that kind of power. We have access to a God 
who has the power and the willingness to match it, who has the tenderheartedness towards his people, towards human beings, and has the power to match it, to make a difference in their lives. We have access. Now, I love to get an all-access pass when I go to events. I'm talking about a concert. I'm talking about a game. I'm, I'm talking about a, a, an event. I like, I like, any of you been around me very long, you understand I like to sit front and center. Now, there's a reason for it. It's because I don't see too well. I don't see too well. And so I, I, gotta, I like to be front and center. I like to see what's going on. And so I do everything I can and all that's within my power. And I, I, I'll, I'll pay a little bit extra. I, I want to sit as close to the front as I can. I prefer front and center. If I go to a conference, I'm going to be front and center. I don't care if I know the people at the conference or don't know the people at the conference. I want to be front and center so I can see what's going on. Same with the concert. Back in the day, I remember I went and saw a band called U2, and I had, I had uh, uh, nosebleed seats, me and Valerie, way back before we were married, had nosebleed seats. Later, I went and saw them again, and I, I got on the, almost on the front row to see them back, back in the day because I didn't like that nosebleed section. When I've gone to basketball game. That's funny. We're going to a Jason Crabb concert uh, Friday night. Uh, so, you know, U2... Jason Crabb, and I still want to sit front and center, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a spread for you. But, but when I go to an LSU game, I, I, want, I want good seats, man. When I, when I, I've never been to a Saints game, but I used to go to Ravens games, and I liked good I like parking passes. You know what I'm saying? I like good seats and parking passes. That's even better. Uh, I remember uh, getting an invite to a Hillsong United concert at, at Healing Place, and, and I had uh, tickets at Will Call, uh, front, front and center, and I had an invitation. I, had, I like green room, all access pass. I had a, all access. I could have gone to the green room and, and whatnot, but I was out of town, and, and, and my kids were mad at me because we didn't go to that. We were out of town, and I had all access. Uh, and so there's you 2 and Hillsong United and Jason Crabb right there. But, but uh, games and, and, and events and conferences, because of the times, I get good seats. I just got back from a preacher conference. I had good I like good I like access because I can see what's going on and, and I receive more because I'm more into it. Brothers and sisters, we have access into the throne room of heaven, access into the grace of God, his willingness and ability to accomplish anything. No wonder the psalmist said, God is my refuge and strength, the very present help in the time of trouble. He can turn any situation around. He can calm any storm. He can stop any earthquake. He can take any mountain out of the sea and put it back in its place. He can turn a violent volcano back into a beautiful mountain. When you're in trouble, he is within your reach. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's within reach of us 
all. And that's my third point. Jesus is a refuge for all of us. Everybody say all. We tend to think, well, maybe Jesus is a refuge for somebody else. Maybe he'll help them. Somebody that's better than me. Somebody that hasn't fallen as much as I have. Somebody that's got it together more than me. But I don't see how he can help me. Maybe he'll help somebody that's got it all together, you know. Like, like, like he's a peer with that person, you know. Like his friends helping friends. It's like a banker going to a, another banker for a loan. So we think God will help those that are, you know, up here on his level. And we think, I'm way down here. There's no way he could help me. I'm not on the same level. I love what the prophet Joel first declared, and then the Lord inspired Peter to quote it on the day of Pentecost, and then later Paul would quote it in his letter to the Romans. It's in other places too. It's that simple saying, the King James uses the word whosoever. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say whosoever. You are a whosoever. The down and outs, the up and outs, from the uttermost to the guttermost. Revelation says every nation, tribe, kindred, tongue, every language, culture, race, socioeconomic standing, from the sands of guitar to the bayous of Pierre Park. It doesn't matter who you are, whoever you are, if you will call on the name of the Lord, he will come to your rescue. Look around you right now. Go ahead, take a look. Look next to you. Look behind you. Look at these people. Ain't one of these people perfect. If you only knew their stories, you're thinking they all have it all together and they're thinking you have it all together. If you only knew the stories represented in this room and the brokenness and the trouble that we have all seen, but we have come to understand God is my refuge and strength a very present help. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, hallelujah, give him praise. Whoever, whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. And that's what those cities represented. And he said, not just for the descendants of Abraham, but for the stranger, for the one that sojourns through your land and they need a place of refuge, they can get into that city and be safe. It's not for the special people. It's whosoever, whosoever. Nobody's perfect. We've all had trouble. In Israel, there were no alternatives to the sanctuary cities. You could run into a cave. You could go to a non-sanctuary city, Drew. You could go to a mountaintop, but you still had trouble. But if you could just make it to that sanctuary city. And you know what? We've all tried things too, right? Trying to find a place of safety and refuge. 
Some of us turn to the bottle, prescription drugs, smoking stuff we shouldn't smoke, going places we shouldn't go, having relationships we should have never had, trying to make more money, trying to build a career. But when we came to the end of it all, we still had trouble. And we even had more trouble probably if the truth were known. So that brings me to my fourth point. There's nowhere else to go. There really is nowhere else to go. Back in the day, LaRue, we used to sing that song. Where could I go? I mean, we might as well get ready for Jason Crabb, right? Oh, where could I go? Anybody know that song? Seeking a refuge for my soul. Needing a friend mm, to save. Is it save me in the end? Mm. Where? Man, I hear three-part harmony busting out here. Live pipe. Wow, give yourselves a hand. Jesus is the only answer. Money's no refuge. A man or a woman's not your answer. Uh, a, a, a career move is not your answer. Uh, drugs and, and, and alcohol, not the answer. The answer is only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus, but he is enough. He is enough. He is a sanctuary city. He's a sanctuary city. And the man or the woman that would run to that sanctuary city, that city had the obligation to take care of them, to feed them, to clothe them, to house them, to make sure they were taken care of. You were a refugee in that place, but they would take care of you in that sanctuary city. I'm telling you, Jesus will take care of you if you'll just run to him. You think, well, how will I get out of this? Don't worry about it. Run to Jesus and watch what Jesus does. Amen? It's on him. Cast all your cares on him. Put it on him, and he will take care of you. Hallelujah. Sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities. There's nowhere else to go. That brings me to my, my own five, fifth point. My kids try to get me to preach one-point sermons. You need to do a one-point sermon, Dad. And then the experts are like, do three points. Don't do any more than three points. My computer got discombobulated today, mixed my, all my notes up, messed me up. I got a Mac. How does that happen? The devil got in my, at my Mac. You know, they say the apple was that first fruit, and the devil got all in that. The devil got in my apple. You know what I mean? So I got five points now. I think I got more. We'll see where we get. Fifth point. Here's, here's the deal. When you're in trouble, immediately run to Jesus. Jesus said, seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. These cities were within a day's journey of anywhere in the promised land. So check this out. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. If in the, the day you got in trouble, if you would run, you could make it the same day into the sanctuary city. You just had to start running immediately. You, you had to drop what you were doing, forget your schedule, forget your plans, and just run. There was no time to think about it, no time to pack and plan. You just had to get up and run. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. 
Don't let the word righteous fool you there. The righteous meaning the right thing to do is to run to the strong tower, to run to the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, run to the name of the Lord. Jesus, I need some help, Lord. When you cry it out from your gut, when you mean it with your heart, Jesus, please help me. Anybody made that cry before, that prayer before? Has Jesus come through for you? I'm telling you, he'll come through. From where, this brings me to one of my favorites. I'll I'll start winding down here. One of my favorite Bible stories of all time, the maniac at Gadara. The maniac at Gadara, the Bible describes him as living in tombs, in a cemetery, and apparently in the caves where they would put the bodies. So he would he would live among the carcasses, the corpses, the dead. He didn't wear clothes. He stripped off his clothes. Everybody say this man had issues. <laughs> He, he would howl like an animal and scream in the sanctuary or in the, in the cemetery, not the sanctuary, in the cemetery. And, and I've always envisioned taking your kids to the cemetery to put some flowers on your grandma's grave. And there's this guy. Comes out your grandma's grave. He ain't wearing clothes. You're hiding the eyes of the kids. I see him foaming at the mouth, you know. It's just, it's just crazy. Everybody was terrified. And, and they tried to bind him. This proves that they were scared of him. They, they put chains on him and they bound him and tried to keep him in, in his place. But he would have supernatural strength because of those demons. And he would break free. And, and he would terrorize everybody. And they just, he just was a nuisance. And he, and he was in a cemetery that was on the coast of Gadara, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus tells the disciples on the Judean side of the Sea of Galilee, he says, i got to go to the other side. Like it's time, I've got an appointment. I've, I've got something i got to do. Jesus saw that little man. And all of his issues, wasn't afraid of him, didn't say, we're not going to go to that. Well, let's, let's make landfall away from him. He was going to see this man. He, he, he says, I, I've got to go to the other side of the, of, of the lake. I've got, to go, I've got an appointment. And so he's, he's taken off to, to go see this. He's called the maniac of Gadara, the maniac of Gadara. He's going to see this man. And so they, they get in a boat. And they get about halfway into the lake, and suddenly a storm rises up, Wallace, and it's it's a squall. It's I'll never forget taking my kids to Houston. They were flying to Central America on a missions trip, and Valerie wasn't with me. I dropped them off at uh, at uh, the the international airport there at Houston, and as I'm leaving, you know, it was our first our kids' first mission trip, and so we're like, you know. Bye, honey, bye, baby, you know, like, 
we love you, you know, be safe, be good, you know, look, be, be careful. Uh, just a side note, they, when they landed in El Salvador, which we went to El Salvador, Valerie and I did when, when we were younger, we were married, we went to El Salvador and San Salvador, and we stayed in a little hotel, and it was, you know, we had what I call third world conditions, and it was missions. I call my kids, they call me from San Salvador, and I said, how's it going? They said, oh, it's great, you know, we're, we're in a five-star hotel, we got an Apple store, and, and I'm like, what? What? Oh, yeah, we, they put us up in a five-star hotel, we have an Apple store, we're going to Starbucks. I'm like, that's not missions. You didn't, that ain't missions. Like, missions, you're supposed to suffer, you know. Like, you don't go get Starbucks. And, and but Anyhow, that's a side note. That's a side note. Why did I even start telling you about that? Oh, I dropped them off in Houston. And I was getting on I-10 coming back and out looking over the Gulf of Mexico, out the, the, the Bay City there area, there, uh, 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 what do you call it, water spout, like a, you know, a tornado on the water, a water spout. This massive, my, my kids are on an airplane about to take off, and this massive water spout. And I'm, I'm like, holy cow, there's, I hope the pilot notices the water spout. I'm taking pictures like, holy cow, I can't believe that, a water spout. Wow. But, you know, they landed safe and sound, went to Starbucks to comfort themselves and stayed in a five-star hotel and then went to the Apple store. But so anyhow, a sudden storm rose up on the Sea of Galilee. And and you know the story, it was so bad, the disciples thought they were going to sink. So there was no storm because they're experienced men of the sea and they get in the mid they so they take off there's no storm and all of a sudden a storm descends on them and and starts wreaking havoc they think they're gonna die these fishermen think Jane they're gonna die they're 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 about it's it's all over Jesus is asleep they don't understand. They, get, they wake them up and they're like, Jesus, don't you even care? We're about to die. Look at the storm. The wind's blowing. The waves are going crazy. We're, we're, we're taking on water. We're about to die. It is a bad storm. The, the bottom line is this. It was a horrible storm. Jesus gets up and he just says, peace, be still. He spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves. He spoke to the wind and said, peace. And suddenly the wind stopped blowing. It went from howling wind to nothing, no wind. The waves are still sloshing. Be still. Immediately it says there was a great calm. Storms ain't nothing for Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like no matter how bad the storm may seem, no matter how suddenly it may have arisen, storms are nothing to my Jesus. Peace, be still. Just at his word. And that's what blew the disciples' minds. They're like, even the wind obeys him. Even the waters of the sea obey his voice. Who is this? They were just amazed at the power that was in Jesus. Peace be still. And that maniac at Gadara was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And that storm's raging out there. He felt the effects of it. He saw the lightning and thunder. The, the, the waves were sloshing up onto his beach. And then as quick as it rose up, all of a sudden, bam, miraculously, no storm, 
no waves. And he's watching. And a little boat emerges. And he's like, I don't know who's on that boat. But if he calmed a sea storm, maybe he can calm a me storm. I got a storm raging in my life. And I saw what he did with that storm. Maybe he can do something in my storm. And this little man with, with 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 6,000, 12,000, it depends on what you consider a legion. With all these demons in him, the Bible says that when Jesus disembarked from his ship at Gadara, this dude was hoofing it. He was running to Jesus because it was the right thing to do. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous running. He didn't wait for his deliverance. He was naked. He was, he was, he was demon possessed. He, he had chains hanging from him. He did not have his act together, but just as he was, he was running to Jesus and he slid in before him and he said, Jesus, have mercy. The idea was he began to worship him and Jesus delivered that man and calmed the storm that was raging in him. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus is a sanctuary city. That man found refuge just like he was, all jacked up, all messed up, and God wants to give somebody in this house a miraculous deliverance. He is a safe place. He is a safe place. Stand with me right now. He is a sanctuary city. He is a sanctuary city. City, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift your hands to him right now. Can you do that all across this room? Father, thank you for your safety. Thank you for your sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. People have defiled your name and made your name something it's not. You are not mean, You are not wicked. You don't have thoughts of harm for us, but of good things for us to reach out and save us. You're not far from us. You're within reach, and you are good. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, a strong tower, a strong tower. I'm wearing a safety pin today. I said in a meeting And I heard a man talk about some trouble he was in and that how that he found in Jesus and in the people of Jesus a safe place. I'm going to tell you something about LifePoint. This is a safe place. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of this house. This is his house. This is his place. He reigns here. And Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a place of repentance. If somebody just runs in the door, I don't care what they're facing. I don't care what they're dealing with. I've told you before, you know, if you think you're out of order, we'll let you know if you're out of order. You know, we'll call the cops if you get too bad, you know. But, but you know, if, if you're not wearing enough clothes, like, that's all right, you know. We'll, we'll throw one of those modesty blankets on top of you, you know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Come as you are. What are you waiting for? You, you made mistakes? Big deal. Who hasn't? You've fallen? Who cares? Jesus cares, but we're not holding that against you. He's not holding it against you. He cares in the sense that he wants to love you and, and, and hold you and fix and, and help you overcome. You've looked up, you've run into other cities that, that did nothing but harm. You thought they promised good, but nothing good came of it. That's okay. Today is the day of salvation. You have come into the presence of the Lord. He's as close as the mention of his name. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. His ear is not heavy that he can't hear. It's not like he's going, what would you say? I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Well, no, nah, I, I, I can't understand. What, his ear is not heavy that he cannot save. His arm is not short that he, that he, here that he, his arm is not short that he cannot save. He's, he's, he's here for you. He's here for you. No matter what you're facing, he is a sanctuary city. 